Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome back to another episode of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. This week we are without J. Kyle Mann, but we have an old friend back, Danny Chow from TheRinger.com. Our first podcast, Danny, in four years since June 20th, 2019, the night of the 19 NBA Draft, me, you, and our amazing good old friend Jonathan Sharks reacted to the 2019 Draft today, uh, that day, and here we are four years later. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be back. Happy to be uh, potting with my my good old podcasting bud. <laughs> Danny, uh, I'm excited, man. I can't believe I looked it up uh, before we recorded just now. 2019, four years ago was our last pod. And here you are changed. back. Yes, so much has changed. You've grown your hair out. You're living in a different country. <laughs> Got a great grant. Yes, you're married. <laughs> Got a great Grantland hat right now. Uh, probably one of the handful in existence. Let's talk about <laughs> this upcoming draft class, though, before we look back. Let's talk about the guy that you're most ecstatic about, the player who you are super Ooh. high on. Um, who is it this year, just to introduce our listeners to the player that you're, you're in love with the most right now? Yeah, so I definitely have a type. Um, give me the athlete who can't shoot. Um, and I think the person who best represents that archetype uh, in this draft and honestly, just a phenomenal, phenomenal prospect. Amen Thompson out of the overtime elite. 6'7", 218, 214. I, I forget which uh, weight listing is for which twin, but I, I think Amen Thompson is a truly unique prospect um, and 
one of the best athletes I've ever seen, like do anything. I mentioned to to Chris Vernon on Tuesday's mismatch. You mentioned he's one of the best athletes you've ever seen do anything. He had this dunk during the season where he kind of drove right into the lane, spun, and then without you know missing a beat, just elevates to the rim, DMs on on, on an opponent. And it's just like one of those things that happens so fast. He's explosive. He's quick twitch. He's good at, he, he is truly a 99th percentile, 100th percentile athlete. He is. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to float this very irresponsible, very kind of like useless comparison. Um, so like when I try to think of Amon Thompson's strengths and weaknesses, I, I think about his unbelievable feel for the game. I think of his incredible vision. I think of his broken jump shot, his, you know, instinctive defensive ability. Who does that remind me of? Ricky Rubio. Okay, now if you put the game of Ricky Rubio in the body of a young Sean Marion, what do you get? Now, when you take that body of Sean Marion and turn him into one of the most athletic players who has ever played basketball, that is such an interesting player. Is there even, I mean, in in the draft guide, I have shades of tall John Morant, beanpole Zion Williamson. I don't feel amazing about either of those comps because I don't think there is an amazing comp for Amen Thompson, which is why you're creating this player that we've never seen before, right? Yeah, and and there's one comparison that I kind of go back to. Uh, I've thought about this, and you know, I'm I'm kind of an NFL draft novice. I kind of just listen to podcasts um, for fun, and he really reminds me of Anthony Richardson, who went number four overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, a lot of similar traits there in terms of they're the most athletic uh, player to ever play that position, booming, you know, raw gifts, but, you know, has real inaccuracy and, you know, level of uh, experience concerns. And it, it's funny, they both have uh, highlights in which they kind of do this 360 fake. And uh, so for Anthony Richardson, it was like this 360 jump fake where he like twists his entire body around, eludes the defender, and then, you know, tosses a touchdown. And Amen Thompson, that same year, last year, uh, does this incredible pass that, like, doesn't really lead to anything, but just seeing it was really cool. He does this 360, no-look skip pass to the opposite corner. And I'm just like, who? Like, you have to be such an athlete to even, like, be able to come up with that idea. And I think that's the kind of genius of Amen Thompson. He's able to do things that, so few athletes in this sport have ever been able to do and it's really expanded his imagination for the game so like plays like that one you know the dunk you know i mentioned earlier he has vision he has the athleticism you know even though his brother asar has been the better defender in the ote it's not like our men can't ramp it up and, and be a really good defensive player and i think we'll see that in the nba probably as he's not carrying the workload he necessarily was for, you know, the City Reapers and the Overtime Elite League. With him, uh, I'm curious, do you think, like, him playing in that OTE League has worked against him in this, you know, kind of after Victor Wembenyama draft conversation where Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson is going to go number two, the other one probably goes number three, and Amen Thompson, it seems like the highest he's likely to go is number four. But, you know, you're just the guy you're describing, you know, Ricky Rubio and Sean Marion's body with otherworldly athleticism. 
that has never existed before. If he plays college basketball, do you think there's a chance he's the number two pick? Do you have him as the number two prospect behind Victor Wembenyama? I am definitely closer to having Amen Thompson to number two than I have. Actually, I don't know how best to phrase that, but I feel like Amen and Scoot are closer than I would have Amen and, say, Brandon Miller for me. Um, so, so you have Miller four behind yes. Osar? Okay. Yeah. I have a behind Amen. And then what about Osar? Just out of curiosity. Osar would be number five for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you got so so I, number I, one, I, Victor. I am yeah. absolutely buying in. So what holds you back from putting Amen Thompson ahead of Scoot Henderson? Because that's something J. Kyle Mann has kind of flirted with over the course of the season because of that size difference you're talking about and the athletic difference. Scoot is a very good athlete, a great athlete, but he's not an, you know, an elite of the elite athlete like Amen is. I, I think just having that body of work, uh, as we were alluding yeah. to, the, having the reps of two years in the G League Ignite showing that consistent development and honestly, Scoot's pull-up is incredible right now. Um, and I think him leveraging his ability to get down to the down to the paint, down to the rim, having that pull-up that's a pretty consistent threat that he's he's shown this season. I I really believe he has basically every tool there is uh to be a, a star point guard in the league. And I think that's just it, it's a safer bet. But I would have to say, like, in my heart of hearts. Amen Thompson is right there in terms yeah. of what he can contribute as a lead playmaker. I agree with you there. I think I think with those guys, like it's super close. You know, Scoot is the safer bet, and and that's why I have him ahead of Amen and Osar. Um, but I mean, like the, there's like the more you watch Amen and Osar, like they they not only are these amazing athletes, uh, they are not like they they're more than that. They're good passers. They're good defenders. They rebound. They have a great mindset and approach. You know, Mirror and Fader profiled them. Uh, on the ringer earlier this season and you know people you talk to around the league everybody raves about their work ethic and their focus and and how what much they want to be great and how they're open-minded to changing we see that with them working on their jump shot mechanics and that's the one thing i'll say about amen versus osar i have osar one spot ahead of amen it's very close between those two i'd have amen ahead of osar for certain teams and osar ahead of amen for for some teams and most teams but I, like, I just think Osar's jumper had, has looked better, um, the development-wise. Like His shooting form looks a bit cleaner. He has a higher release. He shot the ball better to close the OTE season. He hit the game-winning jumper in the finals in that game three. Um, I, I just think like the jump shot reliability, in addition to the fact that he's been a better defender than Amen for two years, I just give him the slight edge, even though Amen is the better athlete and the more proven playmaker. It's just like a very subtle edge with Osar. No, I, I totally get that. And I think, especially when you're talking about twins, you're talking about, you know, you look at Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez, they've had to develop in ways to complement one another, right? And so when you look at Osar's gifts, he's a much better on-ball defender. He doesn't quite have the first step that Amen does. And so he's kind of remedied that by being a more creative ball handler. He's a much better ball handler than his brother. Um, and yeah, he's he's been on the receiving end for a lot of these uh, passes. So he is the one who's kind of worked a bit more on trying to become, you know, a, a, a shot maker, a tough shot maker. Um, 
I just think with Amen, there are so few athletes who have absolute control over basically everything that they're able to do. Like when I think about it, um, the best way to describe his movement patterns is he kind of moves like a figure skater on the court. <laughs> like you, you talk, you talk to like football scouts, and they'll talk a lot about uh, something called like curvilinear movement. So the ability to like bend your trajectory without taking a hard, abrupt shift in your angle. Because if you do that, then you're like slowing down. But Amen can bend an angle like a skater and not lose any acceleration. And I think that combined with the fact that he's 6'7", 220, like that's an incredible amount of speed and power that I don't think a lot of teams are going to be prepared at the jump to defend, honestly. I think he's going to be able to get to the paint at will. I think Thursday night, that player you're describing with those athletic traits, if he goes to the Rockets with Jalen Green in that backcourt, as amazing as an athlete Jalen Green is, Amen Thompson is even better, but those two together are going to be nightly highlight reels. You're going to see their highlights on Instagram and TikTok, and they complement each other skills-wise. Doesn't that feel like a good fit for him with the Houston Rockets? I think that's that's the best case scenario for for Amen, where you get you give him a bunch of athletes who can run with him. You give him some, you know, release valves on the perimeter. Jalen Green's proven his shot. Jabari Smith, yeah, totally. I mean, him and Tari Eason running the floor together—that is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> Plus, you you put in Shangun, you you know can create some really creative plays with those two with the amount of playmaking that they can. Uh, summon together. I mean, you put Amen in the short roll, like, that mm-hmm. is some real, real, real fun basketball. And we've seen it from both Amen and Osar. Like, there have been times they catch the ball kind of in the middle of the paint or uh, at the dunker spot and they finish. And, like, I think you're going to see true positionless basketball. And, you know, if he goes to Houston, Ime Adoka is going to have a lot of fun designing different ways to generate offense with Shengun DHOs, Jalen Green, high pick and roll. I mean, Jabari Smith, if he's able to continue developing, he can, he'll can he maybe be a guy who can handle a bit or run some pick and roll as a 6'10 guy. It could be fun basketball there. And the thing with Ahmed, like, he is the the most athletic example, you know, even more than his brother, of a lottery that has a handful of guys that kind of fit that type of versatile big guard profile that we're talking about. Anthony Black, he's been a riser throughout this process and recent days out of Arkansas. He's a freshman guard, 6'6", long wingspan, tough defender, iffy jumper, similar profile, just not the elite athlete. Black seems to be a guy who's rising on some boards. There's talk about teams trading up for him, maybe at five or six if the Pistons were to move down, maybe the Magic pick him at six. And then you got Kobe Bufkin, as well, who has a reliable jumper, a sophomore out of Michigan, 6'4", with a long wingspan, really tough, versatile, on-ball perimeter defender. And like his, his scoring is probably a higher level than some of those guys. Playmaking isn't as much his thing compared to them, but Bufkin, I think there's a reason why you're seeing, you know, Thompson, the, both Thompson twins in the lottery, why Black is rising, why Bufkin is rising. Like, teams are looking for this type of versatile perimeter player and like Bufkin's the surprise like he's the big variable it seems like for teams right now that are figuring out where everybody's going to land totally and yeah that you have him currently what number eight uh in your in your uh mock draft yeah that's 
that's wild. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a real real ascent for him, and I, I'm still not quite sure what, how I feel about Bufkin. He's also not really my type of player, to be fair. It's, he's kind of like one or two inches shy of like true big guard status. <laughs> yeah, um, only six four. Pretty, yeah, he's he's pretty good at everything. He's you know he looks like an okay shooter. The volume is not quite there, so you wonder if you know that could be kind of a an if an iffy mark for him. But I, I would say the one elite skill he's shown, um, especially in this past season, was his finishing around the rim. That that is really um, incredible with his left hand. Um, but I also, you know, remember the, remember the last time I thought of a guard being a really good finisher around the rim and thinking that is, you know, a a game changing. Uh, trait and that was for uh, Romeo Langford in in 2019. Mm. That didn't go so well. Um, although, yeah, Bufkin is definitely more well rounded, um, better shooter, better defender, everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I I'm sure you know if he ends up with the Raptors at number 13, I'm absolutely going to call him the next Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> but for right now, I'm still I'm still on pause. Yeah, he's, I mean, I understand the hesitation with him. I mean, like you said, with the shooting development, he didn't even take many threes as a freshman at Michigan. And then he transformed himself as a player and became a dominant Adam finisher, not just off of like, you know, passes by teammates on cuts to the rim, but self-created opportunities at the rim. He's a really good, you know, touch finisher with either hand, tough angles against contact. He's super talented in that area. And I think with him, if the jumper's for real, which I would assume it to be at least from team perspectives through pre-draft workouts. Like that would, you know, you know, raise their confidence level in him being able to sustain the, the or improve on the 36% he shot from three this past season at Michigan. Um, with him, I, I have him currently when my big board updates, he will be in my top 10 to kind of connect with the mock draft where he is in the top 10. I've just become increasingly high on him as well. And he, one of the players, you know, it's interesting talking to people around the league as they try to figure out where these players are going to land. Buffkin, you know, naturally as players rise, that means somebody needs to fall. And it seems like Cam Whitmore is the guy out of Villanova, freshman, six foot six, you know, a superb athlete. He's, you know, probably, you know, the second or third best athlete in this draft and definitely in the lottery. Um, he seems to be the guy that could be slipping a little bit here. I, I reported in my mock this week that teams have said that he's the guy that could fall down to nine or ten. There's been talk about him not having great workouts. Jonathan Gavoni over at Draft Express said similar as well. It's, you know, I mean, I, th- I think, I don't know how much of this is kind of, uh, you know, just uh, smoke screens. There's always that in the days leading up to the draft, but with Cam Whitmore, I kind of get it because he doesn't have the feel of some of these other guys that we're kind of raving about as a playmaker. He's got tunnel vision. He's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, it's this is actually really shocking. I, I actually figured him to be kind of a workout warrior given how athletic he is. He, he's easily one of the most explosive, you know, leapers in the draft off two feet. Um, he's really kind of set himself up well with, you know, moves in his bag, step backs. You know, he has a pretty good-looking jumper. He just kind of has that veneer of a star wing. And, you know, I, I was looking at Michael Pina's uh, team needs, and I think you have, I you know, for me, I, I, I see Washington as the floor for Whitmore um, just because he seems to have that star 
potential that they need. And I was looking at Michael Pena's team needs for um, the Wizards on the Ringer Draft Guide. And the three badges that were given were one, tank, two, ridiculous <laughs> upside, and three, perimeter shooting. And I don't think I can describe Whitmore any better than that. He's a tank who has ridiculous upside and can shoot a bit. It does make sense for them. Um, you know, Washington, it's interesting. I mean, the rumblings in, in recent days have been more of like a the, the black or, you know, buffkin player. But with Whitmore potentially being there at eight, I wonder if that kind of changes the equation of what they're looking at. Because Whitmore, yes, I think there's a chance he, you know, doesn't necessarily meet the expectations you hope for with him being, you know, as you described, the superb athlete that he is. But there's no doubt about, you know, what if his shot starts translating? What if he starts becoming the defensive player that he's shown flashes to be on a more consistent level? And with a Wizards team that seems to be kind of, you know, uh, we'll see what they do with Chris Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, I would assume he were to, he will leave to a team like Utah, someone with cap space. Um, but with KP, they already traded Beal. It's a great opportunity for them to to draft a guy and just feed him opportunity. I wonder if, you know, just to flip it the other side, I wonder if that's for the best for Whitmore, though. Is Whitmore better off going into a situation where there's structure and he needs to play a certain way? Like, is he better off landing on a team like the Jazz, where your role is, you know, to be the second, third guy behind Larry Markkinen? Or is it like Dallas where Luca is setting you up with kickout opportunities, you know, where you're attacking a closeout against a rotating defense? Is that the best situation for him as he's learning behind the scenes rather than the increased on-ball chances he'd get for, say, the Wizards? Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a good point. And I, yeah, I, I can definitely see him because he's, he's a really good cutter. Um, and I think that's, that's a way he can really make his, his early living in the league um, just kind of getting plays made for him while he develops his kind of on-ball scoring reps. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You mentioned your favorite team, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, They have the 13th pick in this year's draft. It seems like they're targeting a shooter, a perimeter guy, someone like Keontae George, a guard out of Baylor, Jordan Hawkins, UConn. People watched him win the national championship. Um, is there, is there, like, do either of them stand out to you as somebody you'd want for the Raptors? Uh, is there, is there a preferred guy that you got that that you that you'd give them the A plus at number thirteen? At thirteen, if they can come away with Casein Wallace, I, I I would really enjoy that. Um, I think he fits a need, obviously at at the guard spot but a guy who really knows who he is, incredible perimeter defender, really efficient offensive player who doesn't really step out of his role. And But then again, you know, he's a Kentucky guy, so there could be latent upside there as well. Um, as an on-ball playmaker, you know, he does have a bit of pick-and-roll feel, so, like, you know, why not bet on arguably the best, you know, guard-slash-wing defender in the in the class and you know go with that i i've seen jalen hood shafino uh listed often he's kind of been the name of the moment and i do like him but not at 13 and not really for the raptors i'm kind of worried about his lack of burst i i think the raptors have so many guys who have the same kind of athletic features in that you know they need load time they don't necessarily have the ability to get to the rim uh, on a consistent basis. And I think that's something that the Raptors could really, really use, which is why I really want Scoot. I really want Scoot. So you want to trade up. That, that's your dream. Yes. Yes. I, I really, really want Scoot. <laughs> You'd want Scoot more than even your guy, Amen. Uh, yes. Yes. For the Raptors, I, 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 I would love to watch Amen Thompson's uh, development from afar. I, I sure. do believe in their star potential, both of them. But, uh, you know, now that I have like a, a rooting interest and like my emotional well-being is tied to this, um, <laughs> I think I, I would want to go with the slightly safer bet because, you know, Scoot is, is incredible in his own right. He, I mean, look, I, I really like Scoot a lot. I, I think for Toronto, I wonder what the offer is with, you know, Portland at three. You know, if Charlotte... If Charlotte goes with Brandon Miller at two, that, that's where the draft is most interesting to me. If they take Scoot at number two, I think that really limits Portland's uh, options for a trade. And, uh, but if, if Miller goes two, which, you know, Gavoni, Wu, Fisher are all saying that Charlotte still prefers Miller over Scoot Henderson. That's as of Tuesday afternoon. I've heard similarly there, but everybody seems to be saying Miller to Charlotte, and that's after Michael Jordan watched their workout and interviewed them again on Monday. The outgoing owner of the Hornets, he sold the team, but he's still the guy. He's still going to be making that final decision alongside Mitch Kupchak. If they go Miller, then Scoot falls to three. That's going to be fascinating on draft night because there's been all this stuff about Dame's future. He doesn't want to rebuild. Uh, you know, I've heard that the Blazers, if they do take Scoot, that they're still going to try to convince Dame to stay so they can do the the quote unquote two timelines approach where they have their young guys, Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson, and they still have Dame and they still bring back Jeremy Grant and they do both. But if Dame, if Dame indicates, you know what? You just drafted a, a 6'2 point guard. We already got Anthony Simons. What am I actually 
doing here? This is this doesn't allow me to the chance to win the championship. Who steps up? Is it New Orleans with Zion? Is it Toronto with Siakam and 13 and other future picks? Somebody, I mean, teams are making offers for that number three pick, but I don't think anything's going to happen until draft night itself. So I, I'm hoping Miller goes number two just for the pure drama of it all. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I Yeah, I I mean, if if I were the Blazers, I, I wouldn't trade the pick. But you keep it and then trade Dan. Yeah. I, I think I think that would be the way to go. Uh, I think we've been on this carousel for for so long. Um, Dame put in just an incredible, incredible season. I just don't believe that whatever package that the Blazers will be receiving for the number three, I don't think it's going to be enough to like actually elevate them into true contender status anyway. So, you know, I, I think I think it's about time. For, for them to reconsider. I agree with you. I, I think, you know, with, let's say the Clippers offered Paul George, I don't think that's doing it for me if I'm Portland. No. If the Raptors are offering Siakam, uh, you know, with 13, that's not enough for me to want to do it. Um, I don't even know if I'd want to do it if I'm getting Siakam and OG. With those, you know, those guys have upcoming contracts. I, I don't know if that gets you there if you're Portland. I'd probably rather go the other route by trading Damian Lillard to Brooklyn or Miami or somewhere else, you know, try to you know add teams to his list. He wants Miami or Brooklyn. He said that himself on podcasts. Um, I'd I'd look for a trade there and build with Shaden Sharp, build with Scoot Henderson, and just try to you know they hire Mike Schmitz from Draft Express. You know they got Cronin running the team. Build it their own way with a new era and give Dame a chance to win a championship with another organization. I, I think that would be, you know, a really cool thing to watch. Uh, but ultimately, though, I don't think we're going to find out until draft night. I, I really don't. I think this is going to be a, a, a year where we, we don't get these trades before the draft. I think we get them on draft night itself, depending on how the board falls, because nobody really knows. Even though everybody has, says it's Miller to Charlotte, we don't know yet. <laughs> we totally. don't know. Last year, people weren't sure it was going to be who it was going to be at number one until the morning of the draft, where you know the odds flipped and Bancaro became the favorite. Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting draft night, and I look forward to it as uh, as the person doing the draft grades, the live draft yes. grades on on the <laughs> Ringer Draft Guide, um, <laughs> taking that off your hands so you can you know podcast with the boss. Yes, with Bill Simmons. Yeah, I'll be I'll be on with Tate Frazier Thursday night. Um, reacting to the draft. Not sure if we're doing like a live reaction thing during the draft mm-hmm. um, or if we're going after, but we'll be podcasting Thursday night on the Bill Simmons podcast, me and Tate Frazier, and you'll be doing the draft grades in the first round. I'm excited to read. I mean, you published a, a piece on Victor Wembanyama, beautifully written, by the way. The I Thank think you. the second to last paragraph about how his kind of trademark move he's developing is about going forward towards the rim. <laughs> it was beautifully written as a, as a way to say he's this. Um, you know, he's not. He's unlike anything we've ever seen. But with the size, he's bringing the game back to kind of where it began towards the rim. It was nice. So it was beautifully written, Danny. Appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to reading you on Thursday night as well, Danny. So you're back with the ringer. Um, did Tate Frazier coming back make you want to make the move? Was that was that? Oh yeah, season? no. When I saw that happen, <laughs> like literally a tear went down my eye. I was like, oh okay, oh yeah. No, I I literally told Tate that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you did. He's coming back. I was just like, oh no, Whoa. that that definitely was like, oh okay. No, I think I think it might be time. 
Interesting. So, so how long have you wanted to come back? I mean, because you left in 2019. Yeah, so it kind of happened pretty quickly. Um, Bill and I got in touch. And yeah, it, it, it's been a few months of kind of working around certain things. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's always tough with uh, working within a big corporation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy it all, it all worked out. It's amazing, man. I mean, four years later, it's hard to believe it was four years to the day that this was, it was the 2019 draft and me, you, and Sharks were reacting to that. That was the Zion year. And, uh, you know, and, and here we are four years later, Zion could be traded. And I mean, and boy, uh, was I yeah. wrong about Jared Culver. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, like me, you, and Sharks talking about Culver. Is he actually taller than he's listed? Because he looked taller. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it turns out, like, <laughs> I, I reread uh, Shark's draft grades, and he was like, oh, Jarrett Culver can shoot. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It, it did not work out there. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, man, I, I miss talking draft with Sharks. Did you keep in touch with him over the years? I did. I did. It was, uh, it was, it was always a pleasure uh, to, to go on a, a text chain, and especially in, in those, those kind of early Vision 6-9 years of the Raptors. It was a lot of Holy crap. The Raptors are finally doing it. They're putting out five OGs on the floor at once. We did it, Sharks. I mean, dude, like that was the year you left too. 2019. They win the championship and Kawhi leaves, but they've added all this talent since then. Uh it's it's fun to it's cool to it's cool to watch how Toronto has developed where Dallas is now. What do you think Dallas would want the Mavs to do? What do you think Sharks would want the the Mavs to do at number 10 right now, based off his preferences? For length and versatility, the Jonathan Isaacs of the world, the OG and Anobis. Oh yeah, it's, it's Taylor Hendricks. Oh, gotta be right. It's, I think he'd it's love Hendricks. Be Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd love Hendricks. So you moved to Canada in 2019. You said you're married now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I always ask people this: What moment did you know that you met your wife? Was it early on? Yeah, it was. Uh... One of our first uh, first dates, we were we were just sitting along uh, the kind of the Lake Ontario area down down by the lake shore in, in Toronto, and it was we were in a polar vortex at the time, so it was definitely minus twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just sitting there, just kind of admiring the ice kind of move along in in the lake and. I don't know. It just it was it was a very spiritual moment. I was like, nope, this is this is it. Just felt like home, you know. Mm-hmm. Just appreciating beauty of the universe. Yep. Now you're in Canada. You said you were in a polar vortex when you kind of realized that you're a California boy, Danny. How's the cold? <laughs> well, the thing is, I think my just <laughs> general physical constitution actually lends itself to being in Toronto weather. Like, I love the cold. Yeah. Um, I remember I, you always saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I lived in LA all, all my life. Mm. The, the weather never really fluctuated all that much. So I'm, 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 loving, I'm loving the seasons because in LA, you get two seasons. You get, you know, hot, not hot. So, <laughs> like, no, having actual, like, seasons to tell you how the year has changed, how, you know... And you you kind of get a feel for it too. Like your energy levels are different in the winter compared to the summer. You get a better kind of sense of yourself. And I think that's something that like 
I really, really appreciate. That, that was, uh, I mean, grow, I was, it's like the opposite for me. Growing up in Massachusetts my whole life, I had had that for 27 years before I moved to L.A., and now it's nice to <laughs> totally. the, have yeah, the opposite. I mean, the grass is always green. The grass yes. is always green on the other side. Absolutely, definitely. And th- this year in L.A. was a little bit different. It was, until today, um, it's been gray, and there was so much rain uh, earlier in the year. It was more, I think, more rain than they ever had. But one thing, though, the food in L.A. is better than anywhere I've ever had. You are a big foodie. You've written amazing food pieces on the ringer.com. I, I hope there's more to come with you uh, doing more food stuff. How, how, how have you enjoyed your food experience in Canada? Tor- I mean, Toronto's food scene is incredible. Um, and I, I really do th- like, so first of all, the one thing that a lot of people <laughs> should know about Toronto is that it is the most multicultural, multicultural city in the world. Like point blank. It's, and you're you're in Toronto yeah. or like outside Toronto, yeah. like in the I'm, area. I'm, okay, I'm cool. in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, you are getting cuisine perspectives, uh, glimpses into culture from every imaginable part of this world, and because of that, it's it's just such such a rich food scene. And I I I I'm sad because there are certain restaurants that try to live up to a standard of New York or LA because uh, there's there's a bit of a a sense that you know there those are the trends to follow but there is just so much in Toronto that the city can be proud of especially with the food and especially with um the representation of cultures and I'm I'm just grateful to be to be within this this mosaic as they say is there an amen thompson of the Toronto food scene I'll have to get back to you on that. (laughs) When I visit next, I've only been once in 2019 during the NBA Finals. Um, I don't remember the places I ate off the top of my head. What's the place that I should go as now an L.A. boy? Where should I be going first? My go-to sandwich in Toronto is from a place called Alwyn's. It's a uh, Caribbean restaurant. And what you can get there is a stuffed jerk chicken sandwich. So it's in this bun. It's a it's cocoa bread. They split it in half. They put a Jamaican patty in there, which is, you know, uh, it's kind of like a baked. You know, inside there's like ground ground meat inside. It's it's delicious. It's a it's a you know pocket food. Um, so they stuff it with a with a patty. They stuff that with jerk chicken. They stuff that with <laughs> coleslaw. <laughs> And it, mm. and then they top it off with some uh, Scotch bonnet hot sauce, and it is one of my favorite uh, dishes in the city. And what's the name of that place? Allwins. 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 Like okay, A L L W Y N. Yes. Yep. Allwins. Mm. Jamaican restaurant. Four point six on Google. Mm. The pictures look delicious. <laughs> I need to go. I need to go back. <laughs> I need to go back to Canada. Danny, it's amazing to have you back with the ringer, man. I was so yeah, excited when so I first heard that, that you were coming back. Here we are on a podcast four years to the day of the 2019 draft. That is crazy. Um, dude, I'm fired up, man. I'm excited. Much more to come. Are you coming to Summer League? Any probably chance not. of that? Okay, probably, <laughs> probably not. not. <laughs> well, I- I'm sure I'll see you somewhere in person along the way. But Danny, thank you so much for joining the Ringers NBA Draft Show today. 
Of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the NBA draft. We will be back next week reacting to everything. You can hear me on Thursday night with Bill Simmons and Tate Frazier on the BS pod. And then on Friday morning, Chris Vernon and I will be reacting to it on the mismatch. Danny Chow will be on group chat on the Ringer NBA show on Wednesday talking about the draft, previewing the draft with that crew. It's a lot of pods to listen to. Enjoy the draft, everybody.